The year is 1990. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. I'm Marvelous here at the Comic Book Reading Club, where we're going through the best of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book journeyman, and I'm joined today by Dave, founder and CEO of Comic Book Herald, comic book master. And I just found out Dave has, inside of Dave, is two Zacks, one gray, one green, and they are fighting for supremacy at all times. How's it going, Dave? It's going really well, and you know, it's a lot like New Mutants, that, that our, our favorite horror movie of 2020, mm-hmm, um, yeah. which you have seen, which I have not seen, still remains my favorite horror movie of 2020, and in that movie, I believe they say, inside of everyone, there's two bears. Yeah. Inside of everyone, there are two bears. Uh, it's a lot like that, but inside of every Dave, there are two Zacks. <laughs> two Zacks, and uh, Dave, they're hungry. Feed those Zacks. You gotta feed which the one, Zacks. Which, which one are you gonna feed? The green Zack? Okay, let's see. Green Zack really doesn't like... Excalibur, Walt Simonson's not Excalibur. Greenzak doesn't like Walt Simonson's uh, X Factor, but Greyzak doesn't like Walt Simonson's Thor. Which one are you gonna feed, Dave? Mm, so feeding yeah. them intellectually with different comics. So yeah, we are gonna talk about no, the comics sandwiches. We read today. Sandwiches. Well, your metaphors are getting so mixed, <laughs> and honestly, it's hard. To, I was gonna go uh, food. I was going food, and then you started talking Simonson. I'm hungry, food. Dave. Feed me. I can tell. I can tell. Clearly, you entered this podcast extremely hungry. Uh, Yeah, we are going to talk some Hulk. We are going to talk some Mm -hmm. Simonson Fantastic Four, written and drawn. We are going to talk some Andesanti Daredevil. And uh, then we're going to talk a patron-selected issue. I won't say what it is, other than to say it's very fun. If you want to know what it is before I get to it, um, (laughs) you can check in the show notes. All of the comics that we talk about are listed in the show notes, including the comics we will be reading with the club next time on 1990 Part 5. This is going to be a six-part year. And again, you can find all the comics in the show notes, or you can join us over at patreon.com slash year For as little as $1 a month, you can get access to the full spreadsheet with each new year's worth of comics that we're doing in the reading club updated regularly okay 1991 is almost a lock i gotta read some i gotta read a few things i gotta read catch up on new warriors i got i gotta do a little mm-hmm. dig into some series that i'm less familiar with but then we'll lock it down for the Ooh, 91 can I, reading selection can I put some uh some brand new news out here all right so i'm i started Breaking news. Fan we don't campaign. do this often on the cast listen restore the snyder cut that's done right they got what they want i'm starting the next big wave well they they didn't get what internet. they wanted but but carry on yeah well okay yeah, they're never gonna <laughs> get what they want because now it's immediately like restore the snyder verse we're never yeah. happy um yeah. but uh I'm, I'm starting the next big campaign that's going to take off you're going to see billboards and Times square for this um i found out that don mcgregor wrote a follow-up to panther's rage <laughs> called panther's Prey in 1991. Uh-huh. It is uh-huh. collected an epic collection that came out like 20 days ago, but it is not on Marvel Unlimited. So uh-huh. my my campaign is basically tweeting at Marvel Unlimited, being like, "Oh, you, will you put it on, please." You have and, turned uh, into one of those absolute entitled elitists who tweet at people to demand that their needs be met, and I for um, one love it because it's in it's in the interests of my marvelous year. Yeah. 
and uh, and frankly, they might do it. Now, I will say, you asked me earlier if I had heard of these comics. We ran a review on comicbookherald.com, mm-hmm. so shows yeah. that you have not been reading every piece on CBH, which like puts in the- you in the minority, in the intellectual <laughs> inferior minority, and that's a shame. But otherwise, you're right. It's, it's quite strange. They actually, I would have thought they had these comics when the movie came out, honestly, because that's typically yeah. the time they make a push. And uh, it's a little surprising. I would guess with the Epic Collection coming out, uh, that would mean almost certainly they have these things digitized. So Yeah, right. Exactly. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. Okay. So what's the funniest outcome? I think the to me, it would be that in the next couple of weeks before we record 1991, they add it in. They respond like, yeah, sure. They add it in. I get what I want. We add it to the club and then it's kind of a stinker. <laughs> <laughs> I like think I I don't think they are that good, and I can say this as someone who has Editorial. not read edited them per se, <laughs> yeah. but but edited a review with them. I don't I don't think they actually are that special. Um, it would be interesting, I guess, to revisit and see. I mean, it's yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think that's that's probably the most likely outcome. Uh, is one they they acquiesce to your demands promptly. Because you're very menacing and very threatening, and oh, yeah. uh, and then we we see if we can get him in the club for 1991. I honestly, you know, here's the thing. Actually, a funnier outcome to me is I check them out. They don't make the cut. They don't make the reading list. So you demand they be included for our club. I'm not going to put them on the reading list because they aren't that <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is kind of funny. Um, okay, yeah. So uh, we'll we'll keep you appraised of that. I'm sure you you will find out if I get what I want. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Sure tune in, uh, <laughs> tune into the My Marvelous Year Slack uh, for more on that to come. But let's get to the comics. So our first yeah. comic we're going to talk about today, uh, we got Incredible Hulk. We covered issues 373 and 376. This is to give us a flavor of 1990. Peter David written, Dale Cowan drawn. Uh, he's an artist who is. Uh, becomes quite well known as Hulk artist. He's going to be on the title for a good long while. Definitely is tied to David's run, uh, in and in I think very positive ways. I think he comes to yeah. kind of define this era of what Hulk looks like. Um, and we could just kind of do a two issue uh, touch base on the many personalities of the Hulk, the green and the gray, as Zach alluded to in the intro. Uh, issue three seventy three is a kind of a Joe Fix It and Betty Banner come to come to terms moment. Although mostly it's Doc Samson in the military accosting Hulk in a church, uh, including opening fire on the convent, which, mm-hmm. incredible, incredible use of military force there. And uh, in 376, that is uh, really just full on who's going to control the Hulk. Is it going to be Brucey? Is it going to be Gray? Is it going to be Greeny? And I, this run is, Peter Davis' run on Hulk is a little tricky for me because it is... Kind of the Hulk run, like, canonically for a good long time, yeah. right? Like, it's it's pretty clearly, like, between the introduction of the character and Greg Pak in the 2000s, it's like, oh, the Peter David run. Like, it's the longest, the most things happen. There's a lot of interesting stuff, too, especially when you have, like, Todd McFarlane on art, right? Like, you have some really good visuals in the buildup in the 80s. That said... It's never a run that I'm like, I want to sit down and consume every bit of this. You know, I want to sit down and really inhale the Peter David Hulk run in a way that like, you know, you've been saying like Mark Grunewald's cap. You're like, yeah, I think I would enjoy just sitting down and reading a bunch of this. It's how I feel with Anacenti's Daredevil. Uh, uh, Now, I didn't feel this way a long time ago, but now I do, where I'm like, I kind of just want to keep reading. I kind of just want to know what's happening. I never have that feeling with the Peter David written Hulk, even when I like parts of it. I don't know. Where where do you stand on that? 
I mean, it depends on the chunk, right? You know, it's, it's such a long run that, like, some of it um, starts to wear thin than, thinner than others. But, like, um, like for example, I kind of got tired of the Joe Fix-It era just a little bit. Like, the Vegas stuff, specifically. Like, that did yeah. not do it for me. But these, like, we read 373, and then I saw we were reading 376. I just read the two in between, because I was really hungry for this. Oh, okay. Really loved it. Um, I think the art really lends itself um, to to Hulk. Like the the Hulk yeah. artwork really works here. And I'm th- this is the stuff that I'm really on board for. Is the like the struggle between all the different sides of him, um, that's, the multiple that's... personalities, and and the literal then like almost cosmic astral like a mi- plane, yeah, uh, like manifestations. A right? Yeah, where they are like the the Gray Hulk is keeping the the Green Hulk barred behind this golden door. Um, that stuff's a lot of fun to me in like the way that that all feeds into Bruce Banner's psychology and his relationship with Betty Brant. Wait, no, Betty Ross. God. Um, every time, literally every time. Every time. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's not just me. I think Stan Lee did that at one point. I think Stan Lee called well, Betty the Ross. The other piece of it, as I would say up until now, what, what do we have for Betty Ross? What, what, what kind of interest do we have yeah, for this character? Right, I would yeah. say n- this era, she yeah. gets a personality at least. I, yeah, I, I mean, think. she's... I don't know that it's great, but she gets a personality. Yeah, I mean, she, she's very defined by her relationship with Bruce. Um, but at least oh, yeah. it is not like just being, you know, kind of like, oh, I'm worried about you, Bruce, or like getting kidnapped or whatever. Like, it is just about her actual... The, the ins and outs of her relationship and like comparing it to like being an alcoholic who can't quit him. Um, so Bruce being an alcoholic and her being the, you know, the woman who's stuck, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, right. But There's like, I, I think literally yeah, called. Yeah, that's yeah. not a metaphor we're implying. No, that's yeah, they, they spell the that out. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think all that is pretty interesting. Um, I, I, you know, I, I guess sometimes it, it's it's a problem that we don't have more mainline female superheroes. Right. That that's an issue. But I think there's an impulse sometimes to be like. Well, the female side character should also be, like, a big part of the action, and Mary Jane kind of stinks until she, like, gets powers or something, right? Um, and I don't I don't really buy that. Like, I like, like, she's a supporting character here, uh, Betty, and I, I like her role as, you know, the Bruce's wife, but not just, like, a hapless, you know, like, 60s Sue Storm to Reed Richards. Yeah. Um, like, a fully fleshed out character. Like, she doesn't need to be a superhero for me to think that she's, like, a functional character. Um so I, yeah, no. I like I like her here, and I like uh, <laughs> even Rick Jones is kind of funny here. Um, I like the, I the like... in between issues I read were all about him and him being like confronted with uh, <laughs> the fact that he just keeps hopping heroes, like he keeps wanting to be different sidekicks. Yeah, and, like kind of teasing him about that. So. Yeah, I, I do think David gets the inherent goofiness of Rick Jones in a way that really no one else has. I think the character starts it benefits from it. Certainly, I also think Rick Jones benefits pretty immensely from marlo this uh Mm -hmm. this love interest of his this character that we met uh she meets joe fix it first and we kind of have a a moment of everyone realizing they know each other as they all kind of collide together in 376 but marlo is like a strong confident interesting personality and i think she often brings more interesting things out of rick jones in a way Mm -hmm. so they, they get to kind of be like the the uh down to earth civilian sort of generally comedy angle of this book in a way that I do think helps when you have Hulk hulking out and craziness going on. I do also, I would also say here that 376 in particular, Dale Cowan's a great fit for Hulk stories. He does a really good job with like 
various body positions and transform like mid transformation stages of half green half gray hulk and of of skinny banner but with huge hulk arms like some some interesting kind of body transformation stuff that we don't necessarily see a ton of um and there's a few things too like bruce banner literally shedding his skin in this where it's not grabbing the horror sensibilities that are kind of popularized today um but it's definitely teasing that that potential i suppose in the visuals yeah um which is strong so again like i think it's I think it's solid. I, I inter- Yeah, it's interesting to me to hear that you were like, yeah, I, I wanted to read the rest of it. Because it is like, I think if you're into Hulk as a concept and as a franchise, there's definitely more here to chew on. And there's definitely more to dig into as he battles these personalities. Um, I don't know why. For me, it's just, it kind of just seems obvious, I guess, the the multiple personality stuff. And maybe that's just the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, because I've never read anything these like so many years later. this, except for like Immortal Hulk. Right, which is clearly so deeply rooted in this, right? Like it's rooted sure in all things Hulk. I mean, at the end of the yeah. day. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, but like, I never read anything that like deals with this with Hulk before I read Immortal Hulk. So like, th- this is interesting to me. It doesn't feel like tired or, I mean, we had what three hundred issues of Hulk that didn't have anything to do with this. That was just like him being a big angry guy <laughs> for somehow yeah. hundreds and hundreds of issues in thirty years. Oh, just, I mean, I, I think that's an overstatement, though, because I've said a yeah, similar I mean, thing yeah, before, def- and it's like creators... Defenders, like... Well, no, but I mean, like, creators have done things with the psychology of it. Like, there's... It's not, not like, comics I'm crazy familiar with, but I have seen plenty of examples of, like, Peter David didn't, like, invent the concept. That said, he definitely literalizes it and popularizes it with, mm-hmm. you know, a literal Joe Fix-It and Green Hulk fighting and, and Bruce Banner kind of getting caught in the middle or usurping his own power... Um, I think one of the disadvantages that that David faces right now is there aren't that many Hulks to fight. <laughs> like, like you actually haven't carved out as many mm-hmm. different variations of the the Hulk at this point because you're kind of yeah. it's kind of like a thing like with Legion, which we really haven't seen fully manifest. But you know, in the X Men side of things, if or if you've seen FX Legion, for example, like this idea of all the you know a Legion of personalities, right? Like the Hulk. Mm-hmm kind of has built up a catalog of that although at this point in the david run there's just the two there's like smart vegas fix it and there's big strong angry green it does kind of feel time if you're gonna keep doing this to like bring in a new one yeah right (laughs) honestly and although like this is without spoiling anything obviously there's potential there yeah 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 i mean this is the first time that we've seen like oh the gray and the green are fighting each other like and they are struggling for control um, I don't. I don't think we've seen that in this run before. Like quite so. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. On on Front Street. Yeah. Uh, very. I, I really like this. Like it's not. You know. It's not like top ten stuff. But like I'm. I'm always engaged. It reads really easy. The art's nice. Like they go down super smooth. And I think it's just bringing enough. Like um, yeah, enough novelty to the character that I'm. I'm interested in reading more. Um, it's not one that I'm like currently gonna try to read everything in. But like it's definitely one that I've got my eye on to return to and try to pick up the pieces but i was happy that um at the end of this i was like are we gonna read more and then i looked on 1991 and the list like picks up right where we left off so as long as you don't change that dave i'm excited to uh dip back in and keep going <laughs> now that i said that dave's gonna be like Oop, well that off it's the funny list. you know i you know, so this happened last time too and my note on incredible hulk in 1991 was yeah this is funny <laughs> my note was the people have spoken and we need more hulk and be, it was yeah. because the fan response of the My Marvelous Year readership was like, this is a really good run. This yeah. is really good Hulk. Please include more. And my instinct 
then and now was to say, I think I got it. <laughs> I think I'm good. And I, I do think too, I'm being a little uncharitable towards it. I think like if there was a Hulk on Disney Plus, for example, you know, mm-hmm. I'd probably be like, I want to read this run and sink into it and pick apart it and get all the yeah. details yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way that I don't currently. So I think uh, you having said that, and let me know what you think. You know, you can reach us at My Marvel This Year. You can reach us in the Slack, obviously, the patreon.com slash My Marvel This Year exclusive Slack. Um, but let me know, like, what your thoughts are on more Hulk. Because I actually, right now, Zach, I would have taken it out. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Here's Zach's second internet campaign of the day. Yeah. I'm going to start one to uh, to save Hulk. Hashtag save Hulk. I'm open to it. I'm open Dale to it. Dave, save Hulk. That's the... Uh... Long long oh. hashtag, but it works. Okay. All right. So uh, What's after next? Th- after this, we read Walt Simonson's Fantastic Four about five issues, 337 to 341. He's on, yeah. uh, he's doing both the writing and the pencils here. Um, yes. He's not doing the coloring. He's, I think he's inking his own. Um, he's inking his up, own art, which I the colors, quite appreciate. Call them out. Um, you got Max Shield colors. You got right, letters you. by yeah. Bill Oakley. Really, really you got good edits colors. by the Karate Kid himself. Yeah, Machio. Machio. Um, yeah, I I really like the colors here. I think the colors are great and like vivid and really help the uh the the work pop. Um, hey Dave, is this uh. Hang on, hang on. We haven't queued in the segment yet. Just let me uh get the card here. Get ready for seven deadly Simon sins. Bah, bah, bah. Ooh, that's pretty good. This is pretty good. This is fun. I had a good time with this. It's a. Uh, it's not. Yeah, these are really fun. These not, really uh, fun. It, it it it's a little. It's a little unfocused overall with like. It's a little too long. Stuff like it's a little too long, and it has a few too many little side plots. And then by the end, it kind of is just like, well, here's the master plan, and it was it's a bad guy doing bad things, and you got to stop him, right? Like, there there definitely are some issues with it, but overall, I think it's pretty fun. I think it's pretty fun. I think it works well, and mostly, I think Walt Simonson's pacing and his like visual storytelling works here in a way that like I often am kind of frustrated by, but like this this with like one exception really goes down smooth and is like a very easy like you can tell exactly what is happening you feel grounded in a space uh, uh, which is sometimes my my issue with his comics there's one which is ironic here, too where... because so much of this is spent in the time screen and in exactly, just like yeah. in cosmic yeah, yeah. you know insanity but yeah, uh, right, i would yeah. agree i i think walt simonson is a great fit for fantastic four he is a clear jack kirby acolyte that is somewhat yeah. clear on thor it is so clear on fantastic four with him bringing in the celestials with the way he designs the characters with his dynamics of marvel's first family like this is walt doing a big i really love jack kirby's work I, fantastic I, four run i will say i don't i don't like his machinery that much he does he tries to do the big machinery thing it's not as detailed pulls... as a as a burn impersonation yeah, burn and i suppose kirby can pull that off but his stuff like i always look at it i'm just like he he has a new fantastic car here rosebud 2 i think yeah um and like the design is just kind of a big visual mess and it does not like it doesn't read as something cool to my eye um yeah i like that it's i like that it's there in terms of the big machinery and those kirby influence things i don't know that it's as much of a like oh i want that poster on my wall kind of art yeah right necessarily but i mean i think in general though i think the fact that he's writing and drawing this elevates it i think he's just he's a really good storyteller when he's doing everything obviously it's a ton of work obviously that's why i like so much of his thor run um i think that's been that's a limitation in his avengers which gets referenced here right like the time travel the stuff with nebula the stuff with the cross time kings and dr druid our guy that gets Mm -hmm. brought back so like he's doing a simonson verse kind of thing 
um, you know, connecting his Avengers to Fantastic Four. It it, do, it really made me think too, like, it's kind of ironic and it's interesting, but, you, you know, our your super dissatisfaction with X-Factor and my own just general, like, sort of inability to parse what it is that people are so enamored with in that run. I just think, like, Walt and Luis Simonson don't work that well together, yeah, oddly yeah, enough. I, and it, it's, yeah. it's so funny to say it because they're <laughs> literal true. husband and wife, but it's like, that doesn't mean they're great creative collaborators together. Yeah. And I just, yeah, yeah. I like Walt's work so much more when he's writing and, and drawing and pacing himself. And there's just, there's small stuff, even in his first issue, I mean, 337, uh, where he's like with the panel layout, just doing fun things with like Reed's analysis. It's it's yeah, just so yeah. much more visually stimulating, I, I found at least. Yeah, well, yeah I'll, I'll get to, I'm going to put a pin in that for a second, because I, I do want to say like, I think Louise Simonson also, and I think the gap between Louise Simonson's like work collaborating with him, it's even wider for me, because I, I like... Simonson's like solo Thor okay and I like this stuff okay like I, I have a decent time reading them um but like I don't love them uh but X Factor I hate and then but Louise Simonson's other stuff I really like you know like yeah, I think you're she's right. even stronger also true. Yeah. On, on her own um so yeah I think it's just something you know they, they just don't uh, have that kind of creative spark necessarily together you know um, who does have that creative spark? Louise Simonson and Rob Liefeld, baby. <laughs> I mean, kind of, man. <laughs> who would have known? You know what's yeah. funny? I just talked about those issues on a, on a Crack and Krakoa X-Men thing I did on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we read 87 to 90 New Mutants, the Simonson yeah. and Rob Liefeld issues. And obviously both yeah. of us were like, these are really good. It falls apart immediately after that. Like, it really? really? It really <laughs> I, starts I'm to not, fall apart hard I'm after that. I'm not surprised that. at all. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Um, Yeah, calling out some of the art I really liked here. He does something i haven't seen in these comics yet which is like kind of surprising because it feels like something jack kirby would have done it's like this cool gimmick uh like the way that jack kirby used to bring in like magazine panels of you know actual like space uh imagery like collages he brings in optical illusions here and does like illusion art right there like uh was it psych art um yeah and he does like the the view into this like time stream thing that does look like a huge optical illusion that you know your eye kind of you know, it starts wiggling under your eye. Really Stuff cool. like that definitely really makes really me resent uh, reading it digitally. The, the, those types of things. I'm like, I'd like to see this in yeah. print. I feel like that'd be pretty cool. Um, obviously, that's not how we're reading the majority of these. Yeah, no, you're totally spot on. Yeah. It, yeah. I, th- I think, again, I think it runs a little long. It, the general premise here yeah. is the Fantastic Four... They, they find an anomaly in the time stream. They go to investigate. They find out Galactus wants to consume the entire universe this time, right? So Walt's like, oh, you think he's just eating a planet? We're going to up the ante, right? Galactus is going to try to eat a universe. They then run into the Black Celestial, the Dreaming Celestial, whatever you want to call him, a giant, super powerful Celestial who is coming... Dreaming. <laughs> yeah, dreaming celestial, <laughs> right? Which is which is how the character has been referenced in the past, like in other yeah, you know, Eternal yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, and and basically, it's just like Fantastic Four, Iron Man, and Thor join them. Um, you've got Ben Grimm depowered, but wearing a cool fedora. I don't. And you've got Sharon. Uh, is it Sharon Carter? I'm blanking on the actual alias, no, but you've got um, the Miss Marvel she, thing she, she with thing, him, yeah. Sharon something, and Sharon uh, it's not Sharon Carter. That's that's. Agent 13. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's very confusing. Every time Sharon talks, I'm like, oh, it's Ben. But then it's like, no, the guy in the hat is Ben. It's very, very confusing, I, even I though it's really, been going on for a while. God, I, I do not like... I mean, I, I'm wondering, you know, if someone will, will make her work for me. Because it's just like, she's she doesn't really have that much of a personality. She's kind of just there as another voice. Well, you haven't been reading... And- you haven't been like a diehard Fantastic Four. I mean, she's built up over a number. No, of but years we've now. read like this is like the third Walt Simonson thing we've read with her. Every like, time we run. jump in, she doesn't jump out. I'll give you that. 
Yeah, yeah. And the, but it also is just like, why is Ben here? <laughs> I keep yeah, thinking, like, right. Why is unpowered Ben here? And like, why is anyone letting him join in? Because also, like, he's not that fun being just Ben Grimm, like yeah. but being along on a cosmic adventure. Like, I like some of the um, the human Ben Grimm stories, right? The uh, that one. Oh, no, that was an ultimate story. Uh, there was that um, Mike Miller one where um, Ben Grimm was like the only non-powered human on Earth. Uh, a lot of fun with that. But like. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's just something about him that doesn't work that well. But it is fun. I mean, Walt Simonson bringing Thor back, like, he, uh, you know, clearly likes that character. But yeah, there's a bunch of diversions in these issues that are just kind of like these strange little tangents that don't add up to much and aren't particularly fun. There's like a four-page fight between Thor and Gladiator that is really just like, hey, uh, we're not going to talk. We're just going to fight. And then we're going to realize that we're on the same side and, you know, kind of that old chestnut. Yeah, um, it, it could be... I mean, honestly, it could be like a couple issues shorter, you know, which is... Yeah. It's I, a fun idea at first, and then critique. it kind of sputters a little bit, but like, yeah, overall, It does, but still, it also kicks off fun. the beginnings of what is going to be a relatively short-lived run with yeah. energy, with ambition, and it's it makes me interested and invested in Fantastic Four again. Um, there's some good stuff to come here, too, like uh, like our introduction to uh, something that's going to be big on Disney Plus this summer, which I won't oh, say yeah, more about yeah, it than yeah. that. Um, but oh, I'm excited well, to read those comments. Well, no, we can too. we can mention it. it. I actually wanted to bring that up. Is the uh, it is very funny that like I feel like so much of what we're reading just keeps leading into MCU shows with like WandaVision, yeah. and now the first yeah. time we've read about the Time Variance Authority, which is about to be like a big thing with the Loki show. Well, and the like a, and the Mark Grunewald cap obviously is it is the influence right. yeah. on uh, on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. No, you're right, and that like yeah, that's kind of wild. Yeah. That's the thing though is like that's why those of you playing along in the reading club are special like that yeah. is why <laughs> like reading these reading this history it does give you context and it gives Including, you the mine uh, you know where where mcu is mining from in all these shows it is well, i mean these uh, connections kevin feige is one of our you know biggest listeners and is one of the few people who's act- actively keeping up in the reading and just furiously scribbling down ideas for uh, future shows as he yeah I, w- I wish he would message me a little less on patreon um yeah. trying to get us to add comics that he's curious about for upcoming projects like, like one on. like one i i've established the list like kevin like you're a patron but like you don't have that much you're, you're a one dollar patron okay like he's he's over you have seven. to you have to hit the ten dollar patron level before or is it fifteen dollars before you can start adding comics to the list okay like well and, appreciate, the, you and the other crazy thing the other tricky thing is like he keeps giving away what the what the new slate is going to be and i'm like kevin mm-hmm. i can't publish this stuff like that would be unethical plus like like you stop asking me to read Howard the Duck number eight like I know what you're trying to do I know what you're going for and he just keeps mentioning it so all right so we put Kevin on blast um but we do appreciate his support as we do all of our patrons I have a fantastic four question for you okay do you like the John Byrne or the Walt Simonson run more hmm it's a little apples and orangey just because of the length uh Mm -hmm. I mean on the truly on the surface I like I like the ideas of the Simonson run a lot more. It I like the highs of it a lot more as like a as like a, a what would you call it like a quality per <laughs> per episode uh, or yeah. per issue basis. Burns is probably a little better. I think yeah. um he definitely he definitely ties in a lot of cool ideas. I, I really like the early parts of that run as well. I think like there's some cool stuff he does. I think it fizzles out over time. Um, but Burns is probably better, which pains me a bit. I mean, it's got Shield. That said, yeah. I mean, Simonson's got better. <laughs> it's that thing I keep going back to with Burns stuff, too, being like he's kind of destructive with franchises in a in his I way. I don't know. He, he had She-Hulk. 
Like She Hulk doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't add She Hulk. She has her. Well, he has you, her the but team. you know what I mean. Like the, the, her, his She Hulk becomes the She Hulk. Right. He elevates like, She Hulk. I, I think. Yeah. I, I do yeah, truly yeah. believe that. Um, but Simonson's is more memorable for what it adds to me. Hmm. Um, yeah, but you know it's small stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think like that's the Simonson Fast Four is like is fairly underrated. Um, I think less so kind of as time passes. But like his Thor is obviously widely known. Uh, but then like his Avengers is super underrated. His Fantastic Four a little less so. Um, but it's mm-hmm. definitely like you know it's it's on the it's in the middle of his resume. It's not the top. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so that moves us into Daredevil two seventy eight to two eighty two by Anne Nascenti, drawn by John Romita. And this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool stuff, Dave. This is really cool. This this run has definitely been one of my favorites of the reread. I mean, I think part of this is like we got to interview Anasenti. That was mm-hmm. super cool. And then we really dug into her Daredevil run in a way that I hadn't in the past. Because I had only done these little intermittent jump-ins. You know, there were all these gaps in Marvel Unlimited. I had never given it the full my full attention. And now that I have, I'm like, oh, I, I get why people talk about this. Like... Like, some people being like, yeah, that's my favorite Daredevil. Like, when I interviewed Chip Zdarsky, he's like, Anasenti, that's my favorite Daredevil run. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think, like, a, a few years ago, I would have thought, like, I don't get that at all. And now I'm like, I get that. I actually understand that. I don't like it more than Frank Miller stuff, because that no. stuff really works for me. It's literally probably my favorite Marvel thing in the 80s. Um, but the Nascenti run is so compelling. Like, almost yeah. all the time. The John Romita Jr. art is so visually distinct from anything else yeah. happening in Marvel at this time as well, that it's just like, it's its own thing. It's it's very much like, oh, good, we're reading a, a extremely confident, competent work again. It's very insular. It's its own work. Um, it's not just typical Avengers whatever, you know? Um, and it's like, and it gets weird, you know? It does strange so stuff weird. in ways yeah, that's it's... appreciated. Like, like these comics weave in, and they've been weaving in um, Gorgon and Karnak from the Inhumans. And Asenthi's connecting to her own work on Inhumans by Right of Birth, which is the graphic novel she did, kind of talking about the child of Black Bolt and Medusa, okay? Which we didn't read as part of the club. Um, but she's spinning off of that. And then you get all the stuff with Mephisto and his demon son, Blackheart. Sure. And uh, and it's just like so much about the nature of evil, so much about uh, honestly, you know, it's something we kind of maybe I, I took for granted until this week. This past week, Lil Nas X released Montero, this incredible yeah, yeah. song and incredible music video. And there's been just there's been a very visual backlash to, you know, a queer man doing a video where he goes to hell and, and gives Satan a laugh dance. And <laughs> and the fact that Nascenti was like, yeah, we're going to spend a lot of time in hell with the devil. Like, there, there's probably backlash to that. You know what I mean? Like, that being in a Marvel comic. Not that sure. that's a new thing. I mean, Stan and Stan and uh, one of the Bushemas had Silver I mean, Surfer son, versus son Mephisto in hell. Son of Satan was a, uh, an actual character, like a, an anti-hero for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm overstating that part of it, like the, like the controversy of it. But, you know, they spend a lot of time there, and it's not like, it's not for kicks. Like, it's very much like, almost like, you know, the Dante Inferno's limbo you know well, where she's, it's like this is taken seriously i suppose in a way it's not sandman but it's taken hellishly yeah i i think so what i like about it so much is that like she's she's playing around with stuff with such like confidence and panache and like the art and the writing click so well yeah that like even when i think that like maybe the ideas aren't quite working or like or maybe she's even being a little didactic with stuff right like she clearly has some like very specific axes she likes to grind right like nuclear war authoritarian governments um like uh what's what's the other one i had in mind i I can't remember uh 
But, like, she, she's got a few environmentalism. She's got a few things she likes to point out. And sometimes it's a little, like, heavy-handed. But I think, like, it's also... It, it's done with such, like, energy here that it really works even when... I feel like I'm not being taught anything new except, like, yeah, nuclear bomb's bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. See, I don't so, have like, a problem with that, though. I... I don't I mean, have a I'm problem judge- with someone I'm just vocalizing, it. like, yes, they're bad. <laughs> like, I'm judging not, it on a it does, on Not a everything needs because... to be the essay that explains to us why they're bad. No, no, I, and I'm not judging it on some... I'm judging this on some kind of a curve because, like, we've read a ton of lesser comments that are much more, like, blunt in their messaging, right? So I am kind of, like, saying, like, this comic's great, so when I'm when I'm kind of nitpicking at it a little bit, it's kind of because it does so much right um, that I, I think, like, I'm judging it on slightly harsher terms. Um, but, like... Yeah, the, the Mephisto stuff is so interesting. And she's pulling from, um, like, I, I think this is really clearly a Screwtape's letter, like, uh, mm. um, translation <laughs> into this, right? Have you read that book by C.S. Lewis? I have, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is just, like, a, a demon writing to another, uh, Screwtape writing to Wormwood, and just being yeah. like, hey, uh, this is how you corrupt a man. And this that's so clearly the Mephisto-Blackheart relationship here, right? Um, yeah, it's Mephisto and, uh, basically teaching his son how to corrupt a good man and how there's an art to it. This, this, it really works for Mephisto because that's clearly his thing with Silver Surfer in yeah. those, uh, in those Silver Age comics written by Stan Lee. And now it's like, hey, who would be the best guy to corrupt? How about the super Catholic Daredevil? Right. And that's kind of Blackheart's challenge. But she's not really, I mean, you know, the difference is she's not approaching it from a, a religious angle, <laughs> really. Right. Like she's clearly not interested in being like, well, the answer is, uh, God and being, uh, you know, rejecting sin. Right. Like the answer is that, like, I mean, for her in this, it's that we are all capable of good and evil, and, like, the s- sooner you accept that and accept the struggle, the the more, you know, like, that you are comfortable living in the moral grayness of the real world. It yeah. kind of rejects the, like, this black and white evil that Mephisto has. Um, like, he doesn't fight his way out of here. That's so much fun, <laughs> you know? Like, they, they are in this kind of strange hellscape that's not quite hell, and it's for several issues, and, uh... They don't. They don't fight their way out, right? Like they. They all find their own path and their like inner strength to like find their way out. And Daredevil leads them out just through like sheer force of will. Although Mephisto does just like torch one of them. This woman, Brandy, just kind of arbitrarily is just like turns her to dust. Um, yeah, as kind of a point, an emphasis of like of true evil and sort of the the carelessness and the the randomness of that. Um, yeah, I, I think the uh, theme of the Nesenti run is definitely resolving issues without violence, which is not that it's not here. But it is extended in Daredevil in this era in a way that you almost never see in comics and also like is so atypical of Daredevil because Daredevil yeah. is a bruiser, right? He, he pummels people and he does so in these issues. But a lot of times the actual resolution is not a big fight. And I think part of that is is thematic and, and a point, but part of that is just what she's interested in as a creator and as a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're spot on. I mean, I think like, yeah, they don't fight their way out of hell. They kind of talk their way out of hell. Um, Silver Surfer yeah, showing yeah. up is an interesting... Um, it's like, it's, it's funny because Silver Surfer showing up is like, oh, okay, he, he senses what Mephisto's up to, and we know they're kind of antagonists from way back in the Stan and Buscema days. Um, I feel like that's a thing that's a lot cooler in a book where they would fight themselves out of hell. And here it's like they don't need it. Like, you actually don't need the distraction of Silver Surfer, even though visually it's kind of cool. Like, that thread, mm-hmm. I just felt like it actually doesn't really work in this story um because you don't need the the quote-unquote cool action factor here yeah it kind of was just like the deus ex machina of like well something needs to distract mephisto but it's like yeah it it does kind of feel like the lazy way to to write that because it's just very arbitrary here like literally silver surfer is just like oh mephisto's up to something 
and then runs down there just at the moment they're escaping and lets them escape. Which, well, like, what a Mephisto sense. Like, he's in space, <laughs> and he's like, I feel like he's being a jerk right well, now. God, what is, what is, it's, there's a, a line about, like, something about, like, being with a, a spouse that you, um, like, in a, being in a bad marriage something where like you you have the sense that your partner is up to something harmful or something there, there's a weird line there that's what silver that. that's what silver surfer feels yeah yeah it's something is the way like it's that. described that's yeah. really strange <laughs> that's right. he must be having that tingle constantly you know he's literally <laughs> yeah, right. the devil <laughs> <laughs> i didn't just go all up, the time right? like what what is i i read this a you could time. be right i mean i i that's kind of my point is i skimmed over those sections um yeah. all right so yeah i think these are quite good i think yeah. Yeah, yeah. i i like I just like Nesenti's kind of poetry in her caption writing. I like mm-hmm. the use of Mephisto's son, Blackheart, is this corrupter of these characters. Um, I think the inhuman stuff definitely can feel a bit like, why, why is Daredevil traveling with Carnage? I mean, I, th- and, I think it's and one Gorgon, of those things you Why are they big... looking for Black Bolt's son? But it's all there on the page. The exposition's yeah. there. Yeah, if he, you care I, about I, inhuman stuff, it matters. If you don't, it's not going to like, I don't know. It, it, it's that weird thing of this being a Daredevil book where it's not a Daredevil book. So often, well, that, that you know, was like what he's was a, controversial a about this. Is he's in upstate New York for a big chunk of this run, right? And that's very like he, he's not in Hell's Kitchen. He's not in the yeah. city. He's like in yeah. a farmhouse, right? So, yeah. But you know, like the, the Inhuman stuff, I kind of got like, oh, I missed the setup for this, but it's fine. Like I kind of understand what's happening here. It's not hard to understand. It's more just like, do you care as characters? And I, I think these issues, honestly, they do a pretty good job of of at least making you interested. Um, in what's going on. So yeah, the, I mean, these are highly recommended. Again, like like I said earlier, like this is a run where when I finish it, I'm like, shoot, I have to read all these other comics, but I kind of just want to keep going with this, you know? Um, yeah. Which is, I, I don't think it's like, it's not like my favorite thing ever, but I'm very intrigued by it. And I want, I want to keep reading it, which is, you know, my way of saying, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with you and as many comics as you have to read, that's really, uh, that's really something. Oh, here, well, it is sort of line. just like, you know, like I've got five issues of Simon Simpson's four. That's not like a quick read, you know, before a podcast. Like, yeah, it's, you yeah, know, yeah. You, you don't necessarily. But the, I'm saying the runs that actually make me want to just just like, keep reading. Yeah, just especially keep reading. the ones where you skip a few on the list and I'm like, oh, God, do I have time to fill in and read the, like yeah. all these? Because I, I don't have that impulse on a completionist level at all. Right. Like if I'm not enjoying something, I'm totally fine that we're skipping five issues mm-hmm. of Excalibur or whatever. Um but when it's something where I'm like, oh, I don't want to skip those because I'm just like so into this, you know, that, that's kind of rare. Uh, here's the yeah. line. The surfer has known Mephisto for years. And like a bad marriage, the surfer always knows when his partner is up to unusually dirty tricks. <laughs> I just like that's a great. Th- that's a good a line. Great way of putting that. <laughs> yeah. But but also what a what a bizarre headache for Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. that's got to be occupying his thoughts all the time. Uh, speaking of things that occupy people's thoughts all the time, um, <laughs> brute force number one. Uh, this is a patron recommended comic. Okay, yep, by, by, by uh, Tyler TJ. By Tyler TJ. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, again, if those of you who are interested uh, w- would support the show over at patreoncom slash this year, means a lot to Zach and I. Uh, this benefit, this particular tier, is for fifteen dollars in a month. Bucks. Right, uh, yep. it, you don't have to maintain that for multiple months. It can be one month, then you can drop back down to a dollar or whatever. Uh, you get to pick a comic that we read and discuss on the show. This gets added to the reading list for everyone else. So not only are you um, encouraging Zach and I to read and discuss, you are forcing, forcing. everyone else forcing, in the club yeah. 
to read this, which is some power. Some mm-hmm. power. And as I often say, only one Dave should have all that power. Okay, but we've opened it up. Um, but what we added here was a great addition. I'm glad you added this. It's Brute Force yeah. number one. Now, Zach, we talked about this previously. Brute Force is a series that has come up uh, in the last year for me because, one, it was referenced in, like, an X-Men-adjacent kind of weird one-off special. It was, like, World War Man-Thing or something like that. No, it was... Yeah, whatever. I won't go into details. Uh, they get referenced there. And then it also had a real glow up in the Disney Plus uh, Paul Shear episode of whatever documentary style show. It wasn't Legends, one of those. They did the first episode, or the, yeah, they have an episode about the women about pioneers of Marvel. This one was like Paul Shear's like, pitch for an MCU movie, and he chose Brute Force, which is one of the most unlikely marvel franchises that you could see in the mcu so it's it's a fun idea i need to watch that episode i haven't actually watched it yet i just know what happened i made it like three episodes into that doc and then i i just stopped for no hmm. particular reason um I haven't seen any of it yeah okay okay so here's brute force though four issues of mm-hmm. brute force in 1990 right <laughs> created by simon Furman. <laughs> not <laughs> not a relevant pun couldn't have picked a better name and that uh, is and true jose, jose yeah. delbo um and then shows back up in Wolverine and Captain America Weapon Plus Volume 1 in 2019. That's the one. And then Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 6. And that is it. So I think they are in literally six issues of comics, period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So th- this no, is a there, real, like, not a lot little, that's been done here. Yeah, yeah, little piece. I mean, that would be bonkers if the <laughs> MCU integrated them in. Um, I would also say until their resurrection you know, in X-Men and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, I guess, um, or in the the Weapon Plus comic. I mean, I, there's nothing about this that is explicitly Marvel Universe. You know, no, like this no, is no. a weird... It's Captain Because Marvel, Marvel throws like, a lot of series the... at the fan circa this time. Like, for example, like we're yeah. not reading Strike Force Moratory, which is a series I actually really like. It's in Marvel Unlimited. Um, it's not a part of the Marvel Universe, as far as I know, at least to date. So there's stuff like that that are comics under the Marvel Comics imprint. Um, obviously, like the 70s Star Wars is another key example of this, right? Something that is distinctly not Marvel. Brute Force feels like that. Um, but it has since been sort of made a part of the Marvel Universe. So technically, Brute Force number one, this is, this is in the Marvel Universe. We can, I think we can go ahead and say that. Sure. <laughs> I have no it's important. About it it's important mind. that we go ahead and confirm <laughs> that because otherwise we could not talk about it per our contracts on My Marvelous Year. It's, uh, okay, so the, the, the basic premise is a sign, an environmental scientist is like, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save some animals by giving them like mech suits, right? Like here's a, a, a injured gorilla and I'm going to, use a mech suit <laughs> to this gorilla and then mm-hmm. a bunch of clowns burst in and clowns that are basically ronald mcdonald like it's literally a fast food joint that has terrorist clowns on payroll burst in steal the gorilla and then the environmental doctor and, and this fast food joint is responsible for like clear-cutting rainforest in the amazon to make room for cattle which is very yeah. much a thing um they use the gorilla to like i, I don't know provide security for this or something the the doctor who has <laughs> created this is like well my only choice to protect the environment is to put a bunch more animals in mech suits and give them human intelligence but like mm-hmm. not a lot of human intelligence like kind of like a like a 12 year old's human intelligence maybe maybe even like a 10 year old you so, know it's funny because the solicit for this says bionic yeah. animals with intelligence greater than humans and that's a very negative view of humans because <laughs> they're, yeah, they're not very, especially they're, they're, intelligent. Yeah, they're kind of fumbling around, like a little confused and a little like, 
I'm the leader. No, I'm the leader. Like, well, that sounds like humans, of, actually. I guess kids. that, yeah, that I guess particular dialogue. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. And so he he weaponizes and uh, and you know beefs up. Uh, we got Soar, who is what a big bird of some sort. Um, we have Reckless, who is a bear. <laughs> That's a good joke, though, is because he he calls him like you know I don't know Talonclaw or something, and the bird responds Soar. <laughs> And the yeah. guy's like, oh, what, is your suit too tight? <laughs> good pun. Uh, Solid yeah, pun. It's a good joke. Uh, he's an um, eagle, I should clarify. Sora's yeah. an eagle. Oh, right. Reckless yeah, so... is a bear. Lionheart <laughs> is a lion. Hip-hop is a kangaroo. Great name. Mm-hmm. And Surfstreak, a dolphin <laughs> wearing a uh, yellow, like, um, like X-Men spacesuit uh, with a machine gun. And they are brute force. The animal, and the, the bear, has a, a bear zuka that he fires a few times, and like that. Okay, so I tweeted this out when I was reading it, but the bear zuka pun is dropped three times, three times in the yes. first <laughs> issue. When you nail a pun, you don't stop dropping it, and I love Simon <laughs> Furman for that. He just committed so hard to the bear zuka. I I don't think we've ever read anything that feels more like, uh, like trying to um, create something for like an IP. Like, create it for the, the IP potential. Like, really hoping they'll get toys out of this kind of thing? Like, this is going to be toys, this is going to be a Captain Planet show, right? Captain Planet yeah, yeah. came out the same year, right? And you could I could just see 100% see an alternate universe where this property exists instead of Captain Planet. I, I would 100% read, and maybe this exists, and I just haven't done my research, but, like, you know, a mini little history of what the dreams were and what they were trying to do. Um, oh, that right. That is actually the first episode of that Marvel documentary I was talking about was about uh, Japanese Spider-Man, the Spider-Man that aired in Japan. And it's great. It's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But that taps into that vein of like why a thing was created a certain way. And I feel like the history of brute force would be not quite as compelling, but, <laughs> but similarly structured. I mean, cause otherwise if this happened to go on to become an animated show and it was like yeah as a kid i watched teenage mutant Ninja turtles and i watched brute force we'd probably talk about it very differently than we do now because it would be like like look at these origins like oh these characters and i love them instead it's just like this comic's like it's it's not bad enough to be really fun but it's not good and no, it, it, it's like know, it, it's goofy it's just it's very like, middle of the road i i wish it was weirder i wish it was yeah. funnier i suppose um because yeah. I, I didn't find myself laughing at it or being like oh there's all these panels that are so dumb and hilarious it's just kind of fine um it's kind of like a punisher comic it's like it's like just as good as most punisher comics i guess yeah i mean era. i would never I, there's only four of these i don't want to read two through four i didn't <laughs> even want to finish it that's the thing yeah i don't yeah. even want to finish the mini yeah but um, about so i guess in that regard that's pretty negative all you want oh okay so i was spot on here uh simon Furman is a british comic book writer best known for his hasbro's transformer franchise or working yeah. on the hasbro and starting writing with uh, Marvel's initial comic book to promote the story, uh, the toy line worldwide. So he's a he's a guy who works trying to. Well, know, I sell, think he also created Death's Head. If not, I've got him in my head he tied did. to Judge Dredd, yeah. but I don't know if that's right. No, no, he did. Um, he did Death's Head. Yeah, who we did see in Fantastic Four real briefly. Oh yeah, does who didn't leave there. much of an impression? Yeah, but he he's done like looking through his uh his work here. It's like it's a ton of Transformers. It's Thundercats. It's uh it's Beast Wars. Uh, a little Alpha Flight, a little She-Hulk, <laughs> um, a little. He, oh, he did a North Star series, North Star one through four. Uh, interesting. 
Well, that anyway, would be yeah. So uh, yeah, that kind said, of fun, and, and I'm glad. I'm glad I read it. You know, like it's one. Of those are you? Would you? Like, would you tell people? Yeah, you should read it. You should read Brute Force. No, I mean it's more like just for like having that little bit of trivia, right? Like just it, it kind of lets you in on that the the cool club of just being like, yeah, I know about Brute Force. You know, knowing about them is kind of fun. They're a fun little like uh, yeah, yeah. you know, tw- 2011 era crack.com snippet of information. But no, I certainly wouldn't be like read this. It's a good comic. I mean, read it because it's. Uh, Honestly, you look at the cover and you kind of get the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> like, totally. You don't get much more out of it than that. And I, I like, I like this idea being brought back in very small spurts via modern comics that can have a little more fun with it. I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. I think there, there certainly is potential to make this maybe a little more fun. I guess, like, like obviously this would work best as an a straight up all ages book, and it's weird it didn't launch that way. You know, like, I don't know. Like, it's weird it doesn't just have a straight up. I guess they're still like a military force. So maybe that's a little tricky. But like, yeah, I guess they should be more like Transformers or G.I. Joe or that sort of thing. Um, And that's what they're going for. And it just doesn't stick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So thank you for the suggestion. Nonetheless, Tyler, I I am glad to have read it. I it's, you know, something I would not have prioritized otherwise. Um, And and I'm glad that I actually checked it out. Now, again, I got to watch that that issue or that episode of that documentary. Um. Anyway, this has been it for 1990 Part 1. You can find all the comics we're reading next time in the show notes. Uh, in Part 5, we're going to be... Is this... Wait, am I off a part? I am. This is Part you 5. Uh, is next part up five. is Part 6. Yeah. In Part 6, we're going to talk about Deathlock, the reboot by Dwayne mm-hmm. McDuffie and Dennis Cowan. I'm excited to read that. Spider-Man 1-5, to Todd McFarlane's first solo Spidey. And then we're going to talk about the launch of the new warriors. Okay. That's coming in part. Nothing about new warriors. Is it mutants? It mostly is not. Oh, okay. Interesting. I have, I have no idea who they are. Yeah. Uh, Except that like one's called like safe space. One's called snowflake. And it's just like, Oh man, I think you are thinking teens. You're thinking of, um, you're thinking of the realm of dreams where forgotten comics get lost. And there's a whole <laughs> library full of these forgotten comics that will God, never come to live. What a, what a funny joke that would be if, uh, you know, in like the Sandman universe, they actually put that on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Uh, like Lucius holding down a, a little how, copy of New Mutant How just Volume like, six. I don't, I, I would really be curious. Is there anything comparable to Marvel announcing a new book and two new characters, like very publicly, like here are the designs. Oh no, a lot here's of information Not, about them. Well, more than two, <laughs> definitely more than two. Well, but but Safe Space and, and Snowflake specifically, right? Being the characters that obviously got the most attention, yeah. just because of the very questionable naming convention. And <laughs> yeah. um, and and basically, how like is there any comparison for like? And not even just in comics, but like in film, in television, in storytelling, where where a company did that, and then it was so poorly received on Twitter I mean, <laughs> that they didn't move forward with it. I mean, it's usually not like Twitter. It's usually like something happens in the real world. Like that movie, The Hunt, was going to come out, and then Trump lambasted it on Twitter, and then it kind of just like died on the vine, and then eventually they were just like, yeah, it's uh, it's coming out on streaming. Um, hmm. But I don't even know if Marvel's ever going to put out new warriors i, I mean it that, just seems like they're just never going to make that book right i mean it's because like literally... and i don't think that's the wrong decision i'm not saying it's a bad call i'm just saying it's wild that it happened yeah because i mean it, it's one of these things where it's like oh snowflake and safe space is this um is this vicious mockery oh no it's it's in favor of you know like a diverse yeah. team <laughs> okay well that's very confusing because it seemed like you're making it, it's like uh 
it's like a right wing parody sites like bad satire of what they think Marvel is, right? It's like Comicscape people's like you know yeah pretend it was the only of what they they think it is. So it's it's indistinguishable. I will say we have one person in our Slack who I'm if they're listening right now, he's absolutely furious because he is just like. <laughs> He is so anxious for this book to come out. He really wants it to come out. He actually even has a uh, he has a Twitter account that is like just about tweeting like where is New Warriors called the at new <laughs> at new New Warriors. So go um. That's a go really follow. funny Twitter idea. I I love that. Okay, at New New yeah. Warriors. I love it. Uh, I will definitely give that a follow. Yeah. Um. Well, what I was gonna say is I, that is the only time I think genuinely the only time in recent memory where I can picture I can remember social media like all agreeing. Like everyone, like, right? Yeah, like yeah. Whatever side of the culture where you're on, everyone had the same opinion, regardless well, I, of the I, reasons. Yeah, I think like, I think this book is a bad idea and shouldn't come out. Turned out, like people on the left were like, "Well, this seems bad." Daniel Kibblesmith writing this, you know, <laughs> really stupid sounding idea that does not. I don't sound think Daniel like Kibblesmith is the problem. I think he's a an author that I have a lot of time for. Yeah, but like the the fact that like he wrote this book that that seems you know like I said like it seems like mockery. Uh, it does not seem like a very well thought out idea, and then it is just giving all the bait in the world. I mean, if you search, if you search for New Warriors on Twitter, ninety percent of it is people like to this day being like, "Oh, Marvel and New Warriors." I guess that proves everything about go woke, get broke, like that kind of pretending yeah, no, that it's some some kind of huge deal that Marvel still cares about and hasn't like shelved. Which is um, which is funnier as time passes that that level of. Sort it's like, of it's, fall it's been like a year <laughs> is about a book that it won't even come out that will never right. be released, right? and that if it did would sell you know a couple thousand copies and then kind of just get swept under the rug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got on that. Oh, because we're going to read New Warriors, New Warriors. Um, which is yeah. which is a very different series and uh, <laughs> and should be pretty interesting to dig into. So, all right, that's next time on my Marvel this year. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com. He's Zach. You can find him on social at my Marvel this year. Our favorite patron of the week can be found at New New Warriors on Twitter as well. <laughs> so thanks, everybody, who backs yes. us over on Patreon.com slash uh, Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. And we will see you. When will we see him, Zach? We will see you next year. Next year. See you next year. I just said next year. See you next year. <laughs>